Hey everyone, my name is Rob Case. Welcome back to the Dropping In Surf Show, where we do our best to merge math and science into the world of surfing. I'm a paddling technique coach located in Northern California, and in this episode, I had the honor to sit down with a friend and mentor, Amber Puha. Now, I've known Amber for say just over 22 years and she is one of the most remarkable and interesting humans I know. Personally, she's been a mentor to me in mathematics, in teaching, in surfing, and just in general, just chasing your passion. So I'm just going to get right to it. Please enjoy my conversation with the current department chair of mathematics at California State University, San Marcos, Amber Puja. <laughs> so why don't we start with your role at CSU San Marcos? What is your role there? Uh, so I'm a faculty member uh, yeah. in the um, Department of Mathematics. Um, this is my 23rd year there. That's well, insane. I'm a full professor these days and taking my turn as department chair. So I have a lot of administrative duties at the moment. Do you still teach classes though? Well, I, I'm teaching one class. What so, is it? Uh, it's called Introduction to the Mathematics of Finance. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a pretty fun class. So um, it is based on the Nobel Prize winning work of um, Byron Scholes, uh, Fisher Black, and Robert Merton. Yep. Uh, so they're very famous for the Black-Scholes equation. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is usually taught more at the graduate level, uh-huh. uh, but... Um, I was on sabbatical at UCSD and I, a long time ago, and uh, Ruth Williams there had kind of begun to figure out a way to do this using more elementary tools that could be more accessible to undergrads. Mm -hmm. And I really loved it. So we do um, a simplified version of that. And uh, the students really get a lot out of the course. They find it very fun that such rich mathematics ended up um, making such a significant contribution to an application. Yeah. Actually, this formula, when it um, appeared out of, out of the work of these you know, three geniuses, actually revolutionized trading on financial markets. Yeah. So um, it was very impactful. And I think that for undergraduates to see that uh, and to be able to get a little feel for that, it's really, really great. Of course. So yeah. I have a lot of fun teaching this one. Yeah, I think applied math kind of has that road into interests, whereas pure math, which is what I did, <laughs> was a little bit more pie in the sky. It was harder, and that's why I was always visiting you like, how does this apply? <laughs> I remember I, black, I did Black-Scholes in grad school. I didn't even do it as an undergrad. Oh, okay. So, that's yeah, so I don't really awesome. get to the full Black-Scholes equation. Yeah. The, you know, this is all discrete, um, discrete time, discrete state models. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, we don't get to the full equation, but a lot of the same theory is there, mm-hmm. and the students learn a lot of probabilistic modeling. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a it's a fun course. It's a it's a kind of a challenging semester right now. Um, this for is, you or the for the everybody. Okay. Right. We're just starting face to face after the whole COVID shutdown. Yeah. Bringing everybody back to campus. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, when we came back, we had the Delta variant, things were a little crazy and, um, 
just dealing with all the issues around uh, making sure our whole campus community is vaccinated or has a, an approved exemption. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it's been a little wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, and, and a lot of the students have um, anxiety and just from so much time away from normal life. Yeah. Um, some uh, mental health issues that they're navigating and some depression, things like that. Right. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty sensitive time. Yeah. Um, but I think most of us are, are like, okay, we're, we've, we made it back. I mean, we've been back for like six or seven weeks now. And that's just been great. Right. Uh, I think people feel really optimistic for spring semester. I think yeah. more and more of our classes will have ever larger uh, face-to-face components. Mine's hybrid. Um, teaching uh, uh, by Zoom on Mondays and in person on Wednesdays. That was very intentional. I think with a mathematics course, it's really, you know, that in-person contact and help and that personal attention is so important. So I wanted to try it. <laughs> um, not all the faculty ha- are doing that, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it is an interesting time for our students. But I think we'll see much greater fractions of our classes come back face-to-face in yeah. spring. It's interesting, you said 23 years at San Marcos. I'm wondering, at one point in your life where you like, math, I like this, <laughs> right? Like, when did it happen? So, uh, I've always been very good at mathematics. Uh, and I've been um, more average, say, in the language arts and in English and writing and things. And so, my mom recognized this, that I was good at mathematics in elementary school. Oh, wow. And she, she's a teacher. She's an early, um, early childhood reading expert. Um, but she, so she kind of, but she kind of had to push to let me do a little bit more advanced work at that time. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a theme through my whole K-12 experience. And I think it was because I didn't really fit the profile, right? Girls are supposed to be good in the language arts and they're not supposed to be good in math and science. And so, you know, you're just kind of average over here. So even though you're good over there, you better work on that because that's what's for girls. Mm -hmm. And I think that really delayed uh, my uh, enthusiasm for math. So I was always super good at it. And my math teachers definitely recognized that. Um, in fact, uh, my high school geometry teacher, Mr. Poole, um, from Texas, <laughs> he always used to call me up to the board and say, Amber, show me how to do it. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, it's a pretty good Texas accent. <laughs> and, um, I, I love Mr. Poole. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and, and so I, I wasn't super, super challenged. Yeah. And so I just, I was surfing and putting a lot of effort into other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and around the time I turned, tw- I was going to community college a little bit, this, that, and around the time I turned 20, uh, I got back to taking some math classes at the community college. And uh, that's when I started taking calculus mm-hmm. and sort of this, the geometry and the algebra coming together, doing this more sophisticated analysis of things. I really got excited about it. And that's when I decided to major Did in you, mathematics. Was it like a fascination into it or were you challenged to the point where you're like, oh, I, this is really hard and I want to push myself because you weren't challenged before. I, I wasn't as challenged. I mean, yeah. uh, 
it wasn't just that. It was like, wow, this is beautiful. All of this is related. It's not like this isolated thing, like you do this over here and then right. you go home and you know, solve for X. And, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> right? and now you have this function and you have this graph and everything is connected and you can look at its rates of change. And I just found it really fascinating. That's and that cool. really, I would say that's when I got more like hooked, like, hey, I think I'm going to major in math. Um, so I, I was doing that at the community college and preparing to transfer. Yeah. Uh, I transferred to UCSD after I finished at the community college. And I, I kind of thought maybe I would try to teach at the community college. Maybe I would get a master's degree. Mm -hmm. That was sort of the plan, although I didn't have it fully hashed out. I was right. just doing what I like, still surfing yeah. um, and living my life. Uh, and um, I had been with my now husband for a long time. I mean, we met about the time I turned 20. So uh -huh. we were on this journey together uh, at that time. Um, he was honing his craft to become a surfboard builder. And I was, I was going to school and figuring out what I wanted to do. And um, my second quarter at UCSD, uh, I had a probability class. I loved all my classes, but... Um, the professor was Ruth Williams, and she said, hey, there's a summer program called the Howard Hughes something or other research summer program for, for students. And if anybody's interested in doing that in the summer, you know, maybe they could talk to me. And I actually approached it. I thought, this is great. I could get paid to do math. Maybe I can quit my waiting tables job. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, so... I uh, I did ask somebody else first, and they said, oh, oh, yeah, undergrad, you should probably just take an extra class or something if you like math. Right. I was like, okay. So then I went and talked to her about it, and um, she had assigned us a paper to, re uh, to write on uh, basically a law of large numbers type stuff and central limit theorem type stuff. And she she read that paper first, and then well, my my work on that, and then she got back to me and she said yes. And so um, my relationship, she's been a significant mentor in my life and my relationship with her continues to this day, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that was the pivot point where I was like, I'm going to get a PhD in math. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, time working with her, but over that time, it, that's where so it So you finished up. up at UCSD and then you went to UCLA. Yeah. I right? finished at UCSD in 93. Um, I got there in 91, and yeah. it was a really fantastic uh, two years between uh, just, it was a great time to be at UCSD as an undergraduate. Um, it was, you know, still kind of small. Uh -huh. All of my upper division, you were you were there then, yeah, and about that small. time. And uh, all of my classes, you know, they, they didn't have any more than like 35 students in it in the, in the upper division math classes. Right. And you really got to know the professors if you wanted to. And I always went to their office hours. Um, so that was a special time. I, I've been back there on sabbatical. Uh, actually, last year, I taught um, this math finance course yeah. with 150 students in it. Wow. <laughs> so that just shows the dynamic of how much they've grown and, yeah. and everything that's going. That was quite an interesting experience because about a third of them were uh, overseas. And uh, just because it was remote, yeah, right. So it was it was pretty interesting. Um, 
But I always love going back to UCSD for this, that, or the other thing. It's right. a, it's kind of a, a second home for me. Well, I didn't know you were there as an undergrad because um, when you were there for your postdoc, that's when I went. That's when you were there. That's when I was there. Okay, so that's yeah. when I came back. I, yeah. I love it there. I keep coming back whenever <laughs> I can. That's great school. Yeah. So at UCLA was your master's and PhD? PhD? Yeah. Okay. And then postdoc at, back at UCSD and then a role at CSU, San Marcos. Yeah, that's right. Was that um, something that you sought out at CSU San Marcos specifically, like that school and that program you wanted to be a part of? Well, I, I think, uh, right, you, 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 you have, how many universities are there? I want to be a surfer. Right. <laughs> so locations definitely played a key factor in, in my choice to choose Cal State San Marcos. Yeah. But there are a lot of other great reasons why I think it's a really good fit for me. Um, one is I really love teaching. And, um, so, and I also absolutely love research. And this is a place where balance is really appreciated. Mm -hmm. So our teaching load is you know, moderate, but it's, uh, it's not over the top heavy to where you can't engage in research. But on the flip side, I still have, for the most part, pretty small classes. Mm -hmm. I know all of my students, and the, the teaching experience is particularly re rewarding. Yeah. So between the combination of just being from North San Diego County okay. and what the balance that they had to offer, yeah. um, and, um, and just having that opportunity not to be 100%, like the only thing I do is teach, or, or having such maybe a high expectation for research, mm -hmm. and you don't get to engage in the teaching in the way that it's maybe as rewarding as you would like. Yeah. Um, it was. It's really a good yeah, fit for me. Obviously, it's a good fit. You've been there for 23 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still continues to be a good fit. Um, at one point early on, I mean, you were at kind of the pro level for surfing. So there was a decision. There was made. a decision that needed to be made. Yeah. So what kind of went into that? Yeah, so I, as, and during high school, I was surfing a lot, surfing competitions on the West Coast. Um, this would be sort of late 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a really challenging time to be a female surfer. Uh, so at that time, there was, that, that Lisa Anderson was doing the amateur circuit. And, you know, she went on to really help change the face of women surfing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so she was doing the amateur circuit with myself. Um, actually, uh, the, the two ladies who direct the NSSA these days, uh, Janice Aragon Janice and, and Gailene Clifford. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah Naya Post was in there with us and Janelle Anello and, and many others. It was, it was a fun group. Um, and I definitely was pushing myself toward that direction. Yeah. I had a certain amount of success doing the competitions and it was something I was very focused on and planning for. But at some point, I just really had to step back from it and look at what is the long term yeah. as a woman in surfing. And I ended up, I, so I finished my amateur career and I, I started trying to travel to do the contests. And of course, you have to pay your own way. There's not a lot of sponsorship. So, uh, so I was working a lot to do that. And I ended up in Japan at the same place that um, Frida, world champ Frida Zambos was staying. And that was kind of nice. We had a lot, but 
of conversations and it was Japan so you would sit on the ground and eat together and so it was pretty cool uh, but I just really looked at you know she had her first sponsor of her whole career at that point and had she won a world title at that point yep how many uh, I, I don't Over I don't four. remember okay. now um, but I just kind of looked at that and I thought well and then what, what will you do after? Right. You know, what, what, what opportunities are there? How will you pay your bills? And, yeah. and it just seemed very limiting at that moment in time. Yeah. And so I just made a decision that for me personally, it was time to go back to college. And yeah. I was about 20 at that point. And that's when I really got into my uh, studies at Miracosta. That's crazy because it's, it's all about the environment that you're in in that moment in time. And you talked about how even in mathematics, women at the time were seen as inferior in mathematics, right? And you butted that rule. And yeah, it was, there was more opportunity in that direction, right? So this is... And it wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it that much more opportunity considering the environment that women in mathematics were in at the time. Well, and sometimes still are, but, yeah. um, but it, it's, there's certainly a lot more protections yeah right um so you know if you're if if you're say a high school teacher mm -hmm. you you certainly have rights <laughs> right and um you know you're working in a school district and and there's there's rules and people can't you know treat you uh in certain ways and um but surfing was more wild wild west back then yeah in a sense. and it was it was there was a lot of i think I think nationally there was right the title nine was sort of coming into full effect mm -hmm. and um that meant right that women's sports were being uh pushed out on camp college campuses because we had to spend equal dollars on women's athletics and men's athletics mm -hmm. and there was a real um strong perception that all women who were athletic were lesbians mm. and uh so there were just a lot of things circulating around being uh and and honestly if you look back at that time the guys too were really challenged financially yeah they had it better off than the women right. but but they were still really challenged financially so it's like everybody's fighting for these really small resources mm -hmm. and in an environment like that it's quite hard to be generous and do the right thing sometimes right yeah. so yeah it was it was uh, super, I mean, I, I love being a surfer yeah. and I am so happy that such a significant part of my life and I get so much reward out of going surfing and being in the water and doing everything that I do in that realm. But I'm definitely glad it's not where I hang my professional hat. Yeah. And I'm excited for everything the ladies have accomplished. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be the first woman's sport to have equal pay. Yeah. I didn't think that would happen in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So that's incredible. Yeah. And just to see like the level that these young ladies are surfing at. Mm -hmm. I mean, now I go surfing and Ka Caitlin Simmers is out there in the water with me right here in Oceanside. And I'm just looking at what she's doing going, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's pretty awesome how much, how much more opportunity there is there for the ladies. and. Yeah. And it's, it's good to see that there's just more opportunity in surfing for everybody. Yeah. So, uh, so that's pretty, um, pretty awesome. 
Yeah, no, it's, you know, it, given that situation that you're in, you had talents elsewhere that had a road ahead. It, it seems to me like that would be the route. When someone doesn't have those options, they're focused on that one thing, they're forced into that road and they try to make the best that they can. So the women that did go that route really, you know, paved that way and struggled through it. But they didn't probably didn't have many other options, right? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, Sometimes maybe not. people do don't always do the logical thing. They follow their heart. Yeah. And the and if, or maybe they have other support. Yeah. Uh, and so they're they're able to go say hey, um, or maybe they trust that uh, when they're done being a professional surfer that there will be other things there for them. I just I've really always wanted to be someone who could take care of myself. Yeah. And well, and you had a strong and, role model with your mom teaching as well. And like, absolutely. That plays a huge role in the direction that we end up in. Uh, definitely, definitely. I got more questions for you. Hold on. Like I said, I'm a, na- I'm, a, I'm a notes. Oh, yeah. So switching over to the CSU surf team, CSU San Marcos surf team, what's your role with, their, with the team? Uh, I'm the faculty advisor. Um, so I don't know what that means. Yeah, we'll go into that. So I, uh, you know, so I, I had made this choice right when I was twenty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to college. This is the better route for me. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I'm gonna surf. I'm gonna be a surfer, but I'm not gonna follow the pro route, pro surfer route. So uh, I hadn't done much comp- competition for a while, and then I transferred to UCSD, and then I joined the surf team. Mm-hmm. I was on the team with a super great group of people, Chuck Golden, um, Dan Spurn, Miguel Kagan, um, the Dunin brothers, um, Justin Penny, like just, a, and uh, the girls, Chrissy Jenkins and Tara Larkin. We, it was, it was a super great synergy. And it was just really wonderful to be around all these intellectual surfers. Right. So it was such a significant part of my experience as a student at UCSD that when I got my job at Cal State San Marcos so many years later, um, that I would connect with the surfers and uh, you know we would try to get a surf team going. Mm-hmm. So so they didn't have one at all before you. Well, were... they were kind of doing it just on the side underground. I got think it. I, I think that the, every once in a while, the, some people would pull together, but I I don't think that the actual like the campus knew they were doing it mm-hmm. right which is sort of a little bit of an issue uh, so that was you know when I joined the faculty at Cal State San Marcos I that the university was 10 years old and it was largely a commuter campus mm-hmm. they hadn't had freshmen uh, for uh, they started off as just juniors and seniors okay and then part way through maybe 96 they started having freshmen And so the average age on campus when I was hired was like 28. Wow. And, you know, I really just like finished my postdoc and uh, I was um, in my early 30s. So there really wasn't like a big difference between (laughs) me and them. We were just, yeah, right? So so I pretty much knew all the surfers on campus and Mm -hmm. um, I used to surf with everybody. So, uh, and then the timing was that they were going to op- open their first set of uh, on-campus housing for freshmen. Mm-hmm. And they were realizing, like, you can't just bring freshmen to campus without having 
social life and activities for them. Mm-hmm. That could be a disaster. So they were looking <laughs> for things. And so I approached associated students with, hey, well, why don't we do a surf team? And I banded the students together and um, there was a little drama associated with it, but we did manage to get things going and it was officially recognized in uh, 2002, January. And um, I guess I've been through about six different directors along the way that have overseen the sport clubs in some fashion in different units on campus as they move around and reorganize and figure out what, what's the best way. Um, but yeah, it's been a super lot of fun. So it started out like me being their peer in some sense. Right. And, and, you know, they would all come over here and we'd have a barbecue and, uh, and we do all kinds of, you know, surf and hang out. And then, you know, as I got older, and the age of the kids got younger <laughs> and they were, you know, they weren't commuter students. They weren't, right. they weren't past their whole party. You know, they wanted to have a beer and do other things. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so, the, you know, they, they don't, they don't, we don't, they don't come over to my house and have a, you know, their social gathering so much anymore. But um, we just had practice at the beach, at the Harbor today. Super so, cool. So then, yeah. So as an, as advisor, you're not the coach. Nope. But you do, do you organize, do you guide these students? Absolutely. I mean, so uh, I think if I was the coach, uh, I would actually have to have a different role and, and I would have to have some liability insurance and some other things. Right. And so I'm, I'm really uh, more, they, they coach themselves. Okay. But I play the role of the faculty advisor. I, I help them organize things, give them advice, um, make some suggestions. So sometimes when I think they might not make a good decision, like, <laughs> hey, you might want to think about that. <laughs> the, the repercussions of that as, might not as be As many, <laughs> many people under the age of 25 need some guidance yeah. in that area, for sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's been a lot of fun. So, um, so we started out with one team, and the evolution over time has, has it's grown. The level of talent on the team fluctuates. We're yeah. a little bit inland, so we don't. It's not like uh, Santa Barbara, UCSD, where you're just attracting this pool mm-hmm. of, of talent. But you guys took the championship. How many years? Two. We have two national titles. There you go. So uh, that was exciting. The the first one came in uh, 2009, uh-huh. and that was a really s- special one because uh, it consisted of a core group of kids who had come that actually live in Vista but were sort of surfing Oceanside all the time mm-hmm. and that was um, Scotty McBride, Aaron Coyle, um, a kid from San Clemente, Chris Smith, uh, Garrett James was on that team. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm missing one more one one or two more people. I want to say I want to say Sunshine was on that team. Really? Yeah, Sunshine oh, Macro, maybe. We'll um, have to hit her up and confirm that. Uh, and uh, and uh, Lauren Nutter. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fun crew. Um, and actually, as it turns out, I, I you know in those days I would be on the beach for every single event. Yeah. Uh, but I had a conference I had to go to for that one, and I was actually in China. Yeah. When it. they won the national title. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I, I, I got a text message when I woke up in the morning that they had just won, That's which awesome. was super awesome. And it was kind of exciting. It was uh, a tiebreaker with a school in North Carolina and they had to each send three surfers out in the water mm-hmm. and see who was going to take this thing. Wow. Uh, and, um, and they had some strategy involved because the, the North Carolina had these two guys that were just really exceptionally good surfers. Yeah. And I, I think the strategy was that uh, Aaron, I think he went out and picked up uh, just two quick waves and then just tried to sit on those guys. <laughs> like, anchor. <laughs> anchor. And, and, um, and yeah, so uh, it, was, it was super fun. So that was really neat. Uh, and they were really good the next year, yeah. but they didn't quite rise to that uh, special moment. I mean, those moments, you know, they, they're almost there and then they're not, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can ask Lakey about that, poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> poor Sally Fitzgibbons. Right. <laughs> right? You just, you're right on the precipice so and it just, uh, and um, yeah. So then it was kind of a, you know, just uh, we had some really fun things we did in the meantime, but just mm-hmm. kind of average in the talent level. And then just the, something came together in 2018, 2019. And we just had a super amazing group of talented kids. Yeah. And um, Was that it, the one GC was on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. GC and uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. GC. Uh, oh, Shane Freyberger. Mm-hmm. He's an Encinitas kid. He was the president. Really. Um, Evan uh, Sanderson. Uh, Micah Crozier. Um, and let's see. Who was Jake Tuso was doing the longboarding for us? Uh, oh, we had Maya Salino in the women's. Okay. Uh, yeah, she was just really, really solid. Um, and I think Janine Rayner was her her plus one in that division. I mean, it was just a really magical team. Yeah. And super, super cool. Um, but so a lot of them have graduated. But the funny thing is, GC's back. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's on this year. We had a dead year for like no pan for the pandemic. Oh, I know another one. Kevin Blank, Kevin Blanky was on the on that national cool. title team. He's in St. Clemente kid. So um, he. Uh, so yep. Yeah, so the funny thing is, we have the pandemic, and then there's no competition, no, yeah. and so last year, uh, nothing happened. Um, and they did it but when we got the shutdown, when the pandemic first came in spring 2020. Yeah. There was no national championship that year. And then the year after, completely no college team season, nothing. So we're still the reigning national champs. Yeah. And, and GC's back. He's in the teacher credential program. Awesome. And, I see that for sure. And uh, Kevin Blanky's back. He's in the teacher credential program. That's awesome. So, so those two guys are, um, it's fun to have them back around. Uh, but yeah, we got a new crew. Otherwise, I like really, really super good energy. So, some of the carryovers, the president Will Duncan is um, from the other team, and we got a new kid in there um, for BP Treasure, uh, Trevor Stalker, um, and um, we got a local local girl in there uh, on the officer um, Peyton Camp. Nice. So the, these. These three really have a good working relationship, and so we're, we're going to see what, what happens this year. Yeah. Fun stuff. One of the things, one of the most interesting conversations we had 
couple of years ago, we were having burritos and talking about how you help the surfers more than just, you know, organization and probably heat strategy. I'm sure you hit, give them hints on that, but how do you help the, these students become more than just a championship surf team? Yeah, so they, they definitely, right, this process of putting together this, this uh, team, it's not just like, let's show up at the beach and do this, right? To, to actually organize a team through campus, through club sports, there are a lot of levels of organization that have to be um, planned for, mm -hmm. and probably, you know, budget is a big one. Mm -hmm. So they, they have to be looking out for, like, how do I get this done? I got to get these things done in this order, and I have to plan for this, and right. we can't just expect everything to be there for us when we're ready to do it. We have to think ahead. Right. So it's really about teaching them how to be leaders and yeah. giving them a little bit of support in that direction. Um, I, I remember uh, one of the presidents was so upset because he would try to call practice and there was this other kid in the background who was like really talented surfer and that one would um, say, text everybody and say, no, we're going to go here. Mm -hmm. And he, he felt really undermined by him, like, why are you, I'm the president, you know. So we had a lot of conversations around that, and yeah. I was like, well, you know, sometimes if you, you got to bring your enemies close. <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> so, so let's go talk to him, and let's, let's see if we can get him in a leadership role. Yeah. And let's see if we can get you guys working together and on the same page. Right. And, um, and if we can't, let's just talk to him about how that affects the team synergy when there's all this strife. And if he's not willing to do the, the officer work, then be a, be a supporter. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so things like that that come up, dynamics that you have to deal with at work all the time, right? Yeah. Well, and that's, it's huge because even adults don't know how to handle situations like that sometimes because they've never run into those situations as kids growing up or in organizations like this. So I'm, it's not even, it's, you, it's entrepreneurship, it's leadership because they need to be self-starters at a smaller school that doesn't have in a sport that doesn't have a big budget, that doesn't have an organized kind of sport like a soccer or football or baseball, where when you play that, everything's kind of taken care of you. You don't need to self-start and organize things. In a yeah, sense. I think it probably depends on what, uh, where your sport is housed, yeah. right? So if your sport is housed in athletics, your job is to show up, right? right. You, you just show up and play. Everything's got a coach there, all the, right? All, all, everything you need, you've got your bus, everything's organized, yeah. your hotels are set, right? Nothing to, I mean, when these kids are doing the club sport, they have so much responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that applies to things like field hockey, our, our volleyball uh, club sports. Um, so, uh, so they face those challenges and then they have the added thing of trying to get field field space mm -hmm. and coordinating everything with their schedules in terms of okay who are we who are we going to play against and what field space can we get to yeah. get those so they have they can't just like they don't just plug in right so surf i would say is somewhere in the middle of that they do have already nssa mm -hmm. um and so they you know their competition schedule is set mm -hmm. um so in that sense that that part of it isn't such a challenge for them like some of these other club sports. Right. But 
on the on the flip side, they have to manage the whole thing themselves, and yeah. and that's not I don't manage it; they manage it. I just help them. Um, depends on the the that style, the leadership, how how you know good they are about dates and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I have to plug all the dates in my phone, and then this I have to text them. <laughs> Like, reminder. you have a meeting tonight? Yeah. <laughs> you better be there. Um, but other times, well, usually we manage to find uh, students that can, can handle that yeah. and can be where they need to be. What, and, I mean, one could argue that somebody that's in an organized athletics sport um, doesn't get as well-rounded education as someone in club sports in that sense. Because the club sports need to do more than just play the sport. Oh, yeah. You know, they have to organize it and they have to be passionate. They have to be so passionate about it that all that headache that they have to go through is worth it. Right. Right. And I, I, I just see that as a better overall education coming out of the program. It, it certainly, um, it's certainly enriching. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've had one or two that want to do it just for the resume line item to say it, but they mm. don't really want to put in the work for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually the people that step forward to do it do a pretty good job. And yeah. we've been really fortunate in that regard. Um, this, I, I was kind of, the, the Shane and Maya duo in the previous uh, years was just so strong. I was like, who, 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 how are we going to follow this up? I'm going to have to, now I'm going to have to step in you're here. You're sitting back drinking Mai Tais and <laughs> yeah. then you're like, oh wait, they're leaving. But uh, this this is great. I'm really excited for this group. They're doing a good job. And um, with Peyton just being a freshman, uh, I think hopefully she'll stick around in there and we can, as, as Will and, um, and Trevor, you know, yeah. graduate, get closer to graduating and we bring some more in, in on it. But yeah, it's, it's, it'll be fun. Yeah, the practice today was really nice. Um, we had a call in Audible. They, were, they had a, it planned for... Um, the rock in Oceanside, mm-hmm. and the tide was just so high. It just, and there's no beach. Yeah. So uh, I was like, yeah, we better, what do you think, Will? <laughs> so we ended up at the harbor. Yeah. And it was super fun. And how to practice, I'm just curious how practices go. Is it, all right, let's do heat work? Is it, um, how does that they, work? They, there have been teams that want to work on their heats. Yeah. And especially, it was been a while now, but when you remember when Brad Gerlach had his the game, yeah, and he, there was talk of having it, the game uh, for college. Oh, I didn't know that. And um, and everybody was so fired up on that uh-huh. that they wanted to try to start practicing that format because uh-huh. they people said it was going to happen. I think Reef was going to sponsor it, and it was going to there was going to be this West Coast college game, <laughs> and then. Holly Eva opened up on the on the schedule, and Reef jumped in on that. Right. <laughs> and then that that went, to, but um, but they were really fired up on it then, yeah. so that was super fun. But typically, really, they just want to get together to surf. Yeah. So it's a pretty. It's not usually an intense thing. It's it's funny you say that because I I find and I'm not a competitive surfer by any means, but I find that when I do a mock heat with a friend and and even my my clients in my level two course, I'll say, all right, we're doing 20 minutes, catch more waves than me. And if you can catch twice as many waves or, or half as many waves as me, then you win. And I'll modify it based uh-huh. on their level. When we have that goal, it's, man, we're catching waves like crazy. When we don't have that goal, it's so mosey. It's like back to the whole, like, oh, I'm out in the ocean. This is a lot of fun. 
So uh, I don't know. They seem to catch a lot of waves. Well, I was going to say, like... <laughs> I arrived to practice early so I can get some waves before <laughs> they paddle out there. I don't want to surf with 25 of them. <laughs> they don't have any problem with motivation. Then. That's good. <laughs> um, speaking of you paddling out and, and catching waves and back to the math, do you ever, do you ever think of math and surfing? Like, do you ever cross that when you're sitting out and you see a wave and you're like, oh, I wonder what the rate of change of that wave is? <laughs> Or is it? Uh, sometimes, if so, when I don't like right now, I have a huge amount of administrative responsibility. Yeah. So my mind is kind of churning on all yeah. those silly little problems that I have to solve that are not very uh, mathematical. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm always thinking about mathematics. Yeah. I I, I, I was wondering about that because you you're in mathematics all the time, and when you go surf, do you want to turn it off, or is it just just creep in? Uh, so. Th- Really, if you if you're, I think if you talk to anybody who works on difficult or um, scientific problems, the way these things tend to work is, you know, you're you're thinking about it very deeply. Mm-hmm. You understand the issues. You you know, you're sitting at your desk, hammering your head against it. You're reading everything. You you've gone through the equations. You've gone through the processes so many times. It's like the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. And then you go do something else, and that's when you have that's your epiphany. <laughs> you, that's when you have your idea that's going to make everything work. <laughs> and so, uh, so that can sometimes happen when you're surfing, or yeah. you know, if you're having, uh, depending on the circumstances, if you're kind of having one of those chill sessions where you're just everything's relaxed. Yeah. Um, but it's not so common in Southern California anymore, right? There's a lot of people in the water. Yeah, there's a lot to keep your mind off of. <laughs> everything abstract and (laughs) yeah um any probability uh strategies for your students for their heats uh maybe not so formally but i mean right you 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 gotta definitely gotta watch the lineup before Mm -hmm. um you gotta know where the waves are coming in and you gotta have some sort of a game plan right um right because rhythm of the ocean so say someone has five minutes left they need a four, and waves are coming every eight minutes. Right. <laughs> you got to make a decision, right? You, yeah, do you yeah. wait, you know, or, and hope it comes early? What's the probability of that versus yeah. can, I get a, can I get a four on these little dribblers that are coming through? It would be super individual, right? Yeah. In terms of the, the particulars of that surfer, right. circumstances of the heat, who's in the heat with you, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, just like any probability problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the funny thing is that I think when I talk to people about math and surfing, they're like, oh, I'm not good at math. And I'm like, dude, you are, your brain is a huge computer computing things all the time. You're doing calculus, you're doing probability, you're doing geometry, you're doing algebra, you're doing everything. And you don't even know it. Right. Right. And so you put it in your academic area into a more formal way. And then you try to share it with others and say, look, see, everything's connected. Yeah. Right, these things are all connected, and that's cool. Whereas somebody that's not open-minded is like, no, no, the math's not for me. I think that's so cool. So yeah, I'm in awe um, with that. People are usually uh, you don't usually get. So w- one thing I've observed just from being a mathematician is it it elicits a very strong response in people. Yes, polarizing. And <laughs> I, I find it a little. Um, 
discomforting. Like if you came up to me and you said, "Hey, I'm a golfer." Oh, I hate golf. You right. know, that's just rude, isn't yes, it? Totally. <laughs> it's just, it's just totally. socially unacceptable, yeah. right? You just go, "Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Okay, I, I, yeah, I haven't really played, or you know, right?" But you don't just bag on somebody's <laughs> thing. <laughs> like you don't just come out and yell at them. Like I hate that. And people, this, this, this doesn't occur to people. Like that's. Right. So I find that I find that kind of interesting um, uh, about about being a mathematician, um, but I, you know I've I actually I'm talking about my advanced class that I teach and um, I do teach a lot more advanced classes these days just because hiring wise mm-hmm. the tenure track faculty have a lower density so to cover our majors courses and to cover our grad courses it's usually the tenure track faculty that have to do that and it doesn't allow me to teach the lower level stuff as much mm-hmm. but i have just as much fun teaching general education math 100 yeah which is our math for uh, arts majors yeah. basically on campus i i love that class it's beautiful yeah. and sometimes when i can just share those big ideas with students it's really exciting and a lot of fun yeah. um so uh yeah um we in that class one of the fun topics is about the different sizes of infinity mm. and um the, the you can try to explain the difference between being countable and uncountable so countable being something like the natural numbers mm-hmm. there's infinitely many counting numbers one two three four five keeps going um but that's so that's one size of infinity but now if you think about all real numbers just you know any number all the rational ones all the irrational ones mm-hmm. pi e all every number uh on the number line that that actually can be quantified that that is infinite but it's it's of a bigger size of infinity yeah and so um this is one of the really fun things that for example, I, I like teaching and trying to teach in a non-technical way without really using any mathematics notation. Yeah. So it's it. So I, I do like teaching the lower level classes. I have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, don't get to do it as much. Well, they're lucky to have you as a teacher. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. So thank you um, for sharing your, your story and uh, your time. Appreciate right. it. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Thanks for having me.